0: the lesson is from the book of Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 come let us return to the Lord he has torn us to pieces but he will heal us he has injured us But he will bind up our wounds. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us. That we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Epaphrim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mists, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Here ends the lesson. The Holy Gospel is written
1: in that according to St. Matthew. In the ninth chapter, beginning to read the ninth verse, Glory be to thee, O Lord. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise you. to to be.
0: Matthew's Gospel was probably published in around the late 50s or early 60s of the first century AD, which would place it within about 30 years of Jesus' crucifixion, if we take that as being AD 33. Now, atheist Richard Dawkins claims that nobody knows who the four evangelists were but they almost certainly never met Jesus. Concerning the New Testament Gospels, Dawkins is sure that not one of them was written by an eyewitness. However, according to the New Testament scholar Craig Blomberg, a good case can still be made for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the authors of the Gospels that have traditionally been attributed to them. For example, despite being one of the 12 apostles, Matthew, or Levi, son of Alphas, as we find out from the parallel account in Mark chapter 2, he was hardly a leading figure in the early church. And he'd been a tax collector, which meant he'd collaborated with the pagan forces of the occupying Romans and had probably lined his own pockets in the process. By contrast, the later 2nd through 5th century so-called apocryphal Gospels are all falsely ascribed to highly reputable, influential early Christians to try and make them appear as authoritative as possible. So another New Testament scholar, Timothy Paul Jones, agrees that the, the evidence we have suggests that the source behind Matthew's gospel was indeed a tax collector named Matthew. And Jones goes on to note that tax collectors uh, carried things called pinakes—that that is, uh, hinged wooden tablets with beeswax coating. And uh, they would uh, etch notes into the beeswax using a stylus, which uh, these notes could then be translated uh, later uh, from the sort of shorthand of the tax collector and written up on papyrus. So when Matthew's gospel uh, reports Jesus calling Matthew, when it describes Jesus reclining at Matthew's table with the other uh, tax collectors and sinners, and when it recounts Jesus's sarcastic response to the disapproving Pharisees we do have reason to believe that we're in touch with an eyewitness report Well, what does Matthew's eyewitness report tell us about Jesus' diagnosis of the human condition and what does it tell us about Jesus' self-understanding Jesus diagnoses humanity as suffering from a ruptured relationship with God. Uh, The presenting symptoms of this rupture are plain to the judgmental pointing fingers of the Pharisees. It's displayed for all to see in the tax collectors and sinners to whom Jesus daringly extends table fellowship. And the Pharisees are right. Matthew and his tax collecting friends had no pretension to being holier than thou. The sinners reclining at the table with Jesus really were sinners. Indeed, the term being translated as sinners here uh, means people who openly impugn or neglect the law. And as Matthew twenty one thirty one to thirty two indicates, that probably included prostitutes. <clears throat> Yet, the sinful neediness of these tax collectors and sinners led them to accept the very countercultural invitation to dinner from Rabbi Jesus. And when we look deeper into Jesus' habit of extending table fellowship uh, to social outcasts, We see that Jesus was foreshadowing the heavenly banquet, the one at which he will dine in a radically inclusive fashion with followers from all of the people groups of the world. Blomberg, in an essay on this, explains one could speak of these meals as an enacted prophecy or symbolic of the kingdom's surprising inclusions. No one is saved apart from repentance and faith in Jesus. But precisely to enhance the possibilities of genuine repentance for those alienated by standard Jewish separationism, Jesus mixes it up with the notorious and the riffraff of the world, scarcely feeling that fearing that he will be morally or ritually defiled by them in many instances he winds up leading them to god and to true uh, ceremonial and spiritual wholeness now the pharisees really don't like jesus's uh, inclusive approach to sinners and that's where they go wrong the pharisees do have pretensions to being holier than thou Pretensions that speak of the sinful pride at the heart of that ruptured relationship between God and man. That pride presents itself differently in the Pharisees than in the tax collectors and sinners. But there it is, hollowing out their holier-than-thou religion. And so Jesus tells the Pharisees to reflect upon a quotation from the 8th century BC prophet Hosea. And that's a very appropriate source for the situation when you think about it, given that Hosea was a prophet commanded by God to marry a prostitute and to forgive her adultery. Here is Hosea 6, 4-6. What can I do with you, Epaphram? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God, rather than burnt offerings. See, Jesus wanted the Pharisees to see that just going through the religious motions without the sort of loving acknowledgement of God that flows through your life as mercy, as love for others, avails nothing. In other words, the Pharisees really need to agree with G.K. Chesterton's famous letter to the Times Chesterton wrote, Dear Sir, regarding your article, what's wrong with the world? I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. For as Jesus says a little earlier in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, 3-7, to Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So Jesus diagnoses the heart of the human problem as a problem of sinful pride that blocks relationship with God. And his application of this diagnosis to religious people, as well as to tax collectors and sinners, should drive all of us to those opening words from the Sermon of the Mount. But what of Jesus' self-understanding here? Jesus clearly casts himself in the role of God Jesus extends table fellowship to sinners as a parable of God's kingdom, in which he takes the role of host. And having described himself as a doctor for the sick, who has come to call sinners into God's kingdom, Jesus then references Hosea, whose very name, by the way, means he saves, Uh, Consider Hosea 1 to 3. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And thus, the Son of God, who would die and rise on the third day, announces that He has come to call sinners. Into his kingdom.
1: Amen.